Welcome to the Sex, Money and Rage podcast. You're actually having to stand up for your self-worth and, you know, knowing I am worth this. And I think, again, as women, we've lived in a society for so long where we've been told what we're worth, right? We've been told you're at this level, you're at this level. Um, and, you know, what I've learned or what I'm learning and look, the personal growth I know is tied up in my own self-worth around what I do and what I earn and, you know, what I have and things like that. And, um, you know, that's a reflection of kind of my own upbringing. But I've learned that, you know, we we project onto what, what we think other, you know, we are, we're projecting onto others what we think they're thinking. So if you're saying, I don't, you know, I'm not going to ask for a raise because I don't think they're going to give it to me. Well, you're projecting that onto them. And of course, they're going to mirror that back. Welcome back to Sex, Money and Rage. I'm your host, Ellie. Thank you for listening to another episode. Uh, today is all about money, which I'm excited for. I interviewed Anna Walker, who is a certified money coach, a holistic wealth alchemist and founder of Bilancia Wealth. So in 2020, Anna took a sabbatical from her longtime career in financial services. She wanted to take some time off after working in a really demanding career and had been really going back and forth on what direction to go, whether to continue climbing the corporate ladder or bite the bullet and step out to do her own thing. And honestly, she said both terrified her. So she chose to bow out of the corporate realm and focused on reconstructing her health, her wealth and her family dynamics and connect with her inner calling, which led her to start Balancia Wealth, her own company, which is super, super cool. We had a super interesting chat about money and all the different money blocks people have, how how much trauma can play a role in people's self-worth around money. We talked about some of the archetypes around money and the behaviors that people can bring on um, that can really get in their way when making more money. And yeah, I really enjoy this episode. So I think you guys will too. Before we jump in, please hit the subscribe or follow button and make sure notifications are ticked if you haven't already. If you have done it, thank you so, so much. Really appreciate it. Um, it's really cool to see the podcast growing. So the listenership is going up each month, which is really fun. So thank you to everyone who's listening. If you have any um, recommendations, requests, uh, questions that you want to answer, you can email me Ellie, E-L-L-I-E at sexmoneyrage.com and tell me a story. I'd love to hear more. All right, let's jump in and hear what Anna has to say all about money. What, what I guess inspired you to get into say money coaching, you mentioned you're in the financial corporate sort of world. What sort of inspired you to, to get more into the emotional side of money? Yeah, look, I think for a number of years, I've been one of those, you know, not, not so much searching, but uh, the sense of longing within to connect with, um, you know, something more and, and look, I'm, I'm very interested in human behavior and what, drives us and makes us tick and, um, you know, always exploring ways to kind of bring more awareness to the, you know, to the parts of ourselves that need a little bit more, um, call it healing or shaping. And, and I suppose because money was my, so going back to, I guess, my original kind of the way I landed up in money in the first place was, you know, my home upbringing was, um, a lot of wonderful memories, but it was it, the best way to describe it was cycles of feast or famine. And that was in love and money. Um, you know, parents that were kind of together and apart on and off and on and off, um, a dad who was there and then wasn't and what back and forth. And similarly with money, we felt like we'd go through periods where we had all the abundance in the world. And then all of a sudden, you know, we couldn't pay our mortgage. So I grew up in an environment, which I felt in hindsight, and this is only behavior money coaching that taught me this is I felt unsafe that money and love weren't stable. Um, and so that drove me to 
a bit of a, a few things, a bit of a scarcity mindset because it was always a bit of like get and hold on um, and survival, very much survival mode. I need to get a job. I need to earn my own money so that I don't have to be in that situation. I don't want to worry about money. I want to be able to have the freedom to go away on the weekend, to go out and have drinks with my friends. I just, it was a bit of that survival and so when I look at it in that sense, which then drove me to go into business, I saw guys at school that were, you know, dabbling the share market and I was like, oh, wow. And also I suppose like, there was definitely a lot of focus around money at home. I think, you know, I had a father who was always very, um, money because it was feast or famine. It was, it, he had a lot of focus. I think there was almost a sense of not, not a desperation, but, you know, a real kind of, um, you know, was had friends who had money and talked about it in that way. Like they have it, um, was always kind of coming up with different ideas, had a great career, but you know, I was coming up with different ideas to like get rich quick and, and that sort of thing. And so all these things, you know, they, they kind of, um, uh, without your being awareness, they kind of manifest. And so then I saw guys at school that were in the share market. So I want to go into business. I want to run my own business. Um, and I'm sure there was some truth in that in terms of my entrepreneurial and kind of idea nature, but, um, but it wasn't aligned with purpose. It was really just about, I need money in order so I can, you know, defeat these feelings of, of insecurity. And I need to kind of, and I want to be like them. I want to have what they have. Um, and so, you know, that, even though I went into kind of um, the financial services realm and I learned about financial planning and I learned about investments and, and I had so much knowledge and, and, you know, still to this day, I've got a lot of like basic knowledge around um, how to make money, how to grow it, how to sustain it. And I know all the, I know all the theory, but what I realized is I kept going into these patterns of self-sabotage, you know, either coming into money and spending it all, um, making rash investments, um, you know, um, yeah, I was very much the, the, the archetypes that came through for me were very much the fool, the bit of the gambler, the risk taker, um, definitely the martyr, definitely the one that would go up and buy drinks for everybody. And then, ha ha, we're having a great time and then feel like shit at the end of the day, you know, go home and like, oh, got no money left. Um, <laughs> you know, we all do that when we're younger, but, um, yeah. and, and yeah, and just, and getting carried away with ideas about things. So look, I've realized over time that I just, I have not made prudent decisions and, and I've actually taken, I've either taken too much risk or I just haven't had the information. I've been the innocent and, and what have you. So as I've noticed those things played out, I'm like, well, that's, that was the missing link. And that's what this is all about is because it's actually that practical side. And look, there's lots of professional people that can help you with fancy wealth creation strategies. But in my view, the basics of money management, getting like the pillars into place and starting to make those decisions and, and put that action plan, that's the easy part. Like it really is because that's just the action. That's just the doing, but it's this hard part over here is understanding how you are so that when it does come to having to stick with those strategies, when things start to go, you know, fluctuate and, and, you know, we're in one of those times right now, things are going to get more expensive. Markets are going to go up and they're going to go down. You're not always going to make the best decision, but as long as you have that strategy in place and you have the resilience, the emotional awareness and resilience to weather it, you're so much more likely to, um, to achieve your, your, your financial goals and also to be adjusting them in a way, you know, to be really clear on what your goals are, that those, what I call values aligned goals, you know, you're actually setting goals that are aligned to how you want to live and you want to show up in the world, not according to how somebody else is telling you. So it's always going to feel good. Um, so yeah, it was just my, I guess my own journey, what I went through understanding where my own self-sabotaging patterns were also the sense of lack of self-worth, not knowing you know, feeling guilty if I wanted more money at work or not thinking I could get that position. So I'd self-sabotage and just seeing these patterns play out. Um, and then money coaching sort of helped me sort of identify that. And those are the things I'm working, continue to work on. Um, and now I feel like, geez, I wish I had more time on this side. Cause geez, I, 
like I know what to do now. Like I can just do it. But if I don't <laughs> yeah. have all the time in the world to maximize my own potential, I want to help other people. You know, I just want to help bring awareness, um, so that they can, you know, start to address this earlier on and, and have a, you know, have a really great chance to, to create the life that, you know, create a life by design, not by default is, is what I always say. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. I really liked what you said about the, uh, the emotional piece of, you know, you can have all the practices and things in place, but you know, when, I guess when she hits the fan, you know, the, the, having the why or having those emotional, uh, pieces in place is what's going to keep you on that path, which I think, yes, yeah, is, is super, super important. And, and like you said, creating, creating a lifestyle by design and even, um, you know, figuring out, okay, what lifestyle do I want? And then how much money do I need to make that happen rather than just thinking, Oh, I need, I'm just going to make this much money and then I'll be happy. And it's like, yeah, is that really true? <laughs> mm, yeah. And you need to yeah. connect with that, right? You need to connect with what's important yeah. to you and go through that values piece. And yes, how much is enough is a really important question because that then drives your strategy and your plan. It's different for everyone. We all have different, mm -hmm. you know, we value different things. We value living in different ways and, and yeah. Amazing. And so I know you work a lot with archetypes when it comes to money and money blocks and identities and things. Um, maybe we could sort of talk about a few of those uh, different archetypes and how they present themselves. Um, I'll just go through a few of them and then you can definitely dive in further. So the first one was the, the innocent sort of keeping the head in the sand. Then you have the victim. What's the point? You know, sort of woe is me. And then the martyr who's very generous, sort of like a mother, um, but can transition into resentment. Then you've got the fool slash the gambler, a bit more of a risk taker. Um, and then you have the warrior, like you mentioned, very action oriented and successful. The tyrant who tends to hoard money. Money is power and control. And then the creator is very purpose driven, lifestyle freedom, not wanting to feel sort of greedy and the money magician living in alignment with your truth. So with the warrior, if they, uh, they're not really open to other advice. And so I think I just, you know, very protective and very generous, but not always open to kind of the, the views of others. And so that can let them down. And then you have the overdeveloped warrior, what we call the tyrant. And if you think of Wolves from Wall Street, that's kind of your, your typical, you know, that they need to hoard money. Money's about having more, it's power and control. It isn't necessarily aligned to purpose and to kind of values and what they want to achieve for them in a lifestyle sense. It, it's, it's, there's this fear of not being enough and fear of losing. And so there's this kind of tendency to want to hoard and accumulate wealth and assets. Um, but as I said, underlying that is usually kind of a, a, an undercurrent of fear and loss of control. Um, and the creator, I love the creator artist type, you know, the creator is that part of all of us that is really purpose driven. Um, and that, you know, is, is just all about, um, uh, yeah, contributing and giving and, and so money, money is enjoyed for what it can afford in terms of say lifestyle freedom, but there isn't a, a strong connection. There's still those kind of hidden beliefs of, of money is, you know, it's material. Um, I don't want to be associated with, with greed and money and materiality. It's, it's, it's kind of this dual or almost conflict like relationship with money. Um, and so, you know, their role is really to make peace with that, to see, well, wow, through, through kind of the expression, the creation and expression of my gifts in the world, I'm creating this amazing value, which is beneficial to all of us. So it's actually a great thing to be, you know, to be earning and, and making, um, or creating value and making money in the world. And then the last one is the money magician. Um, and it's just, you know, the money magician is, I always say, you know, the money, um, through, 
the attitude that, you know, as long as I kind of live, um, operate and live in alignment with my truth and my purpose and, you know, trust and faith, everything's going to come to me as, as it should. Right. So it's that almost the, uh, yeah, just the, the, um, a very conscious relationship with money and wealth because they don't see it as necessarily the, the tangible money. It's actually, again, it's just the, the contribution and, and sort of, um, outward expression of purpose and, and value in the world that everybody can benefit from. So if you take those archetypes, if you took a little bit of the creator artist, who's very purpose-driven, um, and you have the magician who has the right, um, you know, sort of attitude and, you know, faith and trust and surrender to the, to the flow of kind of the universe and life and all things. And then the warrior who says, well, that's great. I'm going to take that attitude, but put a really strong action plan and go and make sure I've got my bank account set up and that my debt is sorted and that I'm, you know, got a, a plan for, for investment and growing wealth. You've kind of got the, the ideal mix. And so the, I guess the road or the pathway of money coaching is to take people on that journey to allow them to, um, connect with those parts that, that need that bit of refinement and to help further, you know, temper those kind of more challenging energies and then, and, and start to enhance the, the more power, the more empowering ones. Um, and so I think you might've just mentioned it, but the, the sort of optimal, uh, archetypes that you want to tap into is, is, did you say it was the warrior, the creator and the money magician? Yeah. Yeah. We always sort of yep. say you've got kind of your warrior in the driving seat, <laughs> your magician's yep. next to them because the warrior is taking the action, magician next to them and the creator's kind of in the back going, you know, um, this yep. is where, this is where I think we should go. So yeah, it's just a little bit of an analogy to, to sort of sum them up. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. So talk maybe a little bit about, um, just knowing kind of, I guess the archetypes and how that sort of, how that can sort of play out, maybe just some of the kind of top money blocks that, that might pop up. Totally. Um, for yeah, people. of course. Um, and so, and actually I'm just going to make a couple of notes here this morning on this. Let me just pull down. So I'd say, first of all, let's start with some of the signs that people might have. Um, actually, no, let's start with the blocks and then some of the signs that they exist. So some of the things that can, I guess, prevent us or, um, come in the way of us, you know, I, I talk about sort of unleashing your wealth potential and that's through, you know, connecting with your values and your mission and your purpose in life and generally, but also as that relates to money. So that's, I know it might come back to that around the importance of connecting with your values. Um, but some of the common blocks that, that do this are, you know, our beliefs, our belief system is number one. So whether it's, I have a lack of belief in my ability or my, um, my, what's the word, my right, I suppose, to earn and, and have lots of money. It might also be what I perceive to be a lot because I've grown up in a, in a, in an environment where there, you know, there's been more of like maybe more of a scarcity mindset. And so to me, you know, a hundred, say a thousand dollars is a lot of money. Whereas in another area, like a million dollars might be a lot. And so as we know, you know, knowing where our, I guess our belief system is, we often don't actually move through that unless we actually believe it to be possible. So your beliefs are really, really, really number one. Um, and we do a lot of work around sort of how to reframe any beliefs that may be limiting people financially. Um, and then also negative beliefs around money. So associating money with, um, with greed or, um, you know, I have to work harder and those sorts of things. So it's really looking at the, how those things might be, um, presented in kind of a more of a negative and a limiting context and how to reframe them. Yeah. Also fear, you know, fear of, um, if I have more money, people might think about, look at me differently. Um, or as I said before, you know, I might have to work so much harder. I'm going to be stressed out. So fears relation to money, or if I have lots of money, you know, I just saw my family go through this. So I'm afraid I'm going to get it and I'm going to lose it all. So what's the point? 
Um, and these are often, remember I'm talking about these blocks. These are usually hidden. These aren't, these aren't conscious to us. Um, and again, just kind of to give a little bit more context around sort of the money psychology, uh, you know, um, when we're most of our kind of decisions around money are kind of driven by that emotional center, which drives kind of 75% of our decisions. And there's really only five to 10% that are being, um, that are, that are kind of actions, decisions and actions are being driven by that logical thinking center. Um, and that's, you know, most things as we know, but that's the whole purpose of this is like helping us to bring awareness to, to those kind of those unconscious hidden blocks that are, that are sort of standing in our way. Um, a third block might be just lack of taking action. And this is, you know, procrastination. Um, and that's why, you know, developing that warrior is so important is getting clear on our goals and what it is that we want to do to move forward and putting, you know, some framework around that. Um, negative self-talk, which is up there with kind of your negative beliefs, but just, oh, you know, that was stupid. Oh, you know, I, I, what's the point in going for that promotion? I'm not going to get it. They're going to hire him or her, that sort of thing. Um, negative emotions towards others. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, without even being aware necessarily, but projection around, you know, um, oh, why, why are they so, why are they in that role? They don't deserve it. Or, you know, why should they have that nice house or car, whatever it might be, but negative towards others. Again, we're sort of, um, we're, we are, yeah, I guess it's, it's just creating kind of a negative energy field, right? <laughs> um, yeah. for, to, for abundance. So it's just sort of pushing that, that, that abundance barrier sort of further out. Um, I said avoidance already. That's a very obvious one. It's just too hard to stick my head in the sand. Also not asking for help. So, and this is very martial like is just, I can do it all my own. So, you know, I'll just sort it out when actually it probably, it might make sense to ask for help, get a money coach, get a financial advisor, talk to your partner, you know, find a, find a group of, of people that are interested in learning more and talking about money, um, worshiping money. So this is your, you know, your tyrant type. Um, and that's just, again, it's, it's not aligned with purpose and values. And so the universe is just simply not going to respond in, in, in the way that we want it to hoarding money similarly. So I don't want to spend anything. Think about Scrooge. Just going to keep all my money in my cold coins here in the office. Um, who's that going to serve? You know, nothing. Money is to enjoy. It's, it's here to create. It's, it reflects our, you know, the expression of our kind of gifts and talents and our, you know, creation of value in the world. It's there to be enjoyed. That's, that's its purpose. Otherwise, you know, what, what's it for? Lack of gratitude is a huge one. And so gratitude is a big piece of the pie, as we know, in all, you know, a lot of mindset practices, particularly in money and, you know, little things like when you get paid and, you know, I've just re-entered the corporate realm and I can say having money, um, regular income hit my bank account. Like I'm very great. <laughs> I'm very grateful, you know, and so actually yeah. sitting there and taking a moment to acknowledge that and go, wow, you know, thank you. This feels really good. And, and sort of inviting more of it into our lives. Um, having very unclear goals. Um, and so there's two elements to this, not, yeah, absolutely not having unclear goals. Cause again, the universe reflects back to us that, you know, what we are putting out. And if we are saying, I, I'm not really sure, or it's this, or it's this it doesn't really know how to respond. So we have to be like the warrior. We have to be really clear on what it is that we're out to achieve. How much do we want to save? What is it that we want to do with our money? Is it that trip? Is it, is it to you know, how much do I want to be able to give to this organization or, you know, what's the, the, what house do I want and where is it? So just being very clear about what we want to do with our, with our, um, with our money, um, not taking responsibility. Um, so that's also kind of the victim archetype a little bit, and also the innocent a little bit up there with avoidance, but really just, you know, hands off sort of approach. Um, somebody else can deal with it. 
Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of the main, the main ones I said, negative beliefs to not, you know, money is evil and, and wealthy people are, are bad. Um, yeah. so the, those sorts of things. So those are kind of some of the main blocks. Um, and I think also for entrepreneurs, one I just wanted to mention was, was kind of bargaining with the universe a little bit, the kind of if, um, when, then, and look, this works with children. <laughs> it does, definitely works with the children. Um, I've practiced that one, but when it comes to money, it doesn't. So you can't say to the universe, when I get this, then I will do that. You know, it comes down to that analogy of around, you know, be, be the expression that you want to be in the world that, you know, be the change you want to be in the world. Do act in alignment with that. And then you'll have everything you want, but rather than the other way around. So, so that's a really, a really important one. I think um, for, for people in business and entrepreneurs to, to consider. Mm, it's really, yeah, it's really interesting. Just especially the part you mentioned about oftentimes the limiting beliefs or the blocks are quite hidden under the surface. And so it can take time to sort of, yeah, figure out, okay, what, what, what's going on here? Because you can't really correct a belief unless you know sort of what, what it is first. So, um, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. I really liked the, I mean, they're all good, but the, the taking responsibility piece, I know, I know for me, like I would play small, you know, I never really would ask, you know, um, for a raise when I, when I used to work in, um, in the corporate sector and, and just, you know, once I started taking responsibility and just asking for what I wanted and started just, I think for for me, it was a big part of it was seeing, seeing my own value and seeing the contribution I was making. And then, you know, just being like, well, this is what I think I'm worth. I'm going to charge this. And then if people don't see that value, then I don't think I want to work with them. And that really helped me to step into it. And then people started paying me, you know, what I wanted. So it's, it's really, yeah, it's really interesting about like shifting those beliefs and, and taking that responsibility as well. Yeah. It's really important. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, you know, what you're talking about there, there's a couple of things. Um, and one I think is just having those really firm boundaries and those can be really hard to implement because you're actually having to stand up for your self-worth and, you know, knowing I am worth this. And I think again, as women, we've lived in a society for so long where we've been told what we're worth, right? Mm -hmm. We've been told you're at this level, you're at this level. Um, and you know what I've learned or what I'm learning and look, this is, this is daily practice, you know, not, and I just want to make it clear by all means, I haven't mastered all of my money, you know, fears and limiting beliefs. It is daily practice, which is why I love this work because a lot of my personal growth I know is tied up in my own self-worth around what I do and what I earn and, you know, what I have and things like that. And, um, you know, that's a reflection of kind of my own upbringing, but I've learned that, you know, we, we project onto what, what we think other, you know, we are, we're projecting onto others what we think they're thinking. So if you're saying, I don't, you know, I'm not going to ask for a raise because I don't think they're going to give it to me. Well, you're projecting that onto them. And of course they're going to mirror that back. It's like the universe. It's going to mirror back what you are thinking and what you're feeling. Uh, we always say external kind of external bank account follows internal bank account. If you project onto your, you know, wherever you're working or onto the universe that I'm worth this and I'm going to get this and not get, that sounds not the right language, but, um, you know, aligned with my purpose, I am, I feel I'm valued at, I'm worth this, then people are going to see that and they're going to respond to that. And that's what you're going to get back. So I think we've also, we've so often been caught in this trap of, I'm afraid to ask for the raise. I'm afraid to ask for that promotion. They're not going to think I am. Actually, it's you that doesn't think that you can. It's you that doesn't think that you're worth it. They'll believe whatever you, the energy that you emanate about yourself and the value you project is what people are going to see. So, mm. yeah, but that takes practice. 
a lot of practice yeah. and courage. Really. Yeah, totally. Totally. And so I guess for say people listening who perhaps identify with this and, and go, yeah, I've got these money blocks or I've got these archetypes. Like, how do I, how do, how do I move forward? What, what would you sort of, how do you help people sort of move forward from, from that? Yeah. So that, I mean, there's, um, as I said before, there, each person has kind of a bit of a tailored plan for, for everyone, depending on what they're dealing with. Sure. Um, but let's yeah. say you're a, um, so if I kind of put it more into practice terms, so say if you're somebody that, that just can't, that, that has, because of that, that fool archetype and, you know, maybe when you're younger, you missed out. And so now it's all about kind of experiencing life and having it all now, you know, there might be, there's things Look, number one, I would say to people is, is on a practical side is everybody should have like a set, what we call a segregated bank account structure. <laughs> so mm-hmm. developing good money habits, um, a bank account structure means, you know, that you, you, um, depending on how you earn your money, when that money comes in, you have this, you know, you have another account, which, or maybe two, three or four accounts, depending on what your priorities are, you know, for savings, for bills and living might be for that longer term goal. And you have those accounts set up so that when the money comes in, a certain amount is automatically funneled to them. It takes away the temptation. The money hits the account. It's gone. You don't actually have to make the decision. It kind of removes that, that impulse from you. So that's one thing that I think all money types can do when we're trying to develop good habits and savings. Um, you know, as a, yeah, so that's, that's definitely number one, because it's a lot easier to save money than people realize. And I've learned this as well, you know, putting $10 away each week, start with that, start with, then move up to a hundred, sort of build that and just realize that actually I didn't notice nothing in my life has actually changed. So, um, that is one, one thing. If you're somebody, as I said, also that tends to overspend, um, starting to, um, like I always advise people put like a minimum threshold. And if you're kind of an entrepreneur that likes the money comes in and then we like to go out and spend it set kind of a minimum threshold for which you want to kind of keep in your bank account and never let your money go beneath that. Use that as your trigger point. Um, and then keep building on that. Once you know that that's possible, keep building. And because it's kind of like you're, you're, you're mentally or, you know, what's the word energetically, you're kind of, um, raising your own financial, ceiling, glass ceiling, Mm. right? You're just pushing it further up. Um, and your self-worth is going to move along with that. Um, for some people, it might be a matter of paying yourself work yourself first. So if you're a martyr that tends to spend on everybody else, it's like my money comes in, this is my kind of, you know, my fun account, but I've got this account over here where I always pay myself first. And then I, and then I pay for bills and holidays and all those sorts of things, but it's actually building that sense of I am worth it and I deserve it. So, um, and, and so that you don't be the one that you, you're not missing out and feeling resentful that at the end of it. Um, what else would there be? Um, you know, there's a, a, the beliefs, as I said, understanding. So a little exercise that I get most people to do is to, at the beginning is to list out kind of their, their top sort of five beliefs around money, just write phrases around what it is that you, um, how you associate money or what you associate it with. And then go through that exercise of challenging those. Um, so, you know, how is that showing up in my life? Where does it actually come from? Is that like an inherited belief or a conditioned belief or is it mine? Um, what if I was to rewrite that in a way that was more empowering? So, um, for example, uh, you know, I'm not worthy of, of, of having a lot of money. I might be, you know, um, when I make lots of money, I can create, you know, through my work, I create, um, you know, a, wonderful kind of impact and, and, you know, in the world, or, you know, just something more simple would be, you know, money. It's, I'm not here to like abundance. Isn't something I need 
abundance isn't something I earn. It's something I claim, you know, we all come into the world with, with, um, with a right to kind of infinite abundance. So we're actually, we're claiming that rather than earning it. So beliefs taken through an exercise of, of reframing beliefs is really, really, um, useful. Um, and then money mantras. So, you know, I've got pages of, of, you know, things like, um, you know, money is, um, yeah, just, just really positive kind of affirmations around money. Uh, so definitely sort of practicing those, um, meditations around sort of energetic things. So there's lots of practical things. There's a mixture of, as I said, kind of the, the more sort of spiritual and mindset things. And then there's more around the, the, the practical things around what they do, um, to, in order to kind of start to build up their, uh, put their, get the more kind of clarity, confidence and control around their money in the external world. Um, but it really does start, as I said, with that kind of internal side. So that's kind of a number of things, but you know, I know that was a little jumbled around, but there's depending no, no, on what good. you're dealing yeah. with, you know, there's yeah. kind of a, a tailored plan for each person. Yeah, for sure. That, that makes sense. I, it reminds me of a book I read a couple of years ago. Uh, well, I think it was called Wired for Wealth and it was all about getting beyond, like everyone has their own financial comfort zone and what they're used to and what feels normal. And so it, it's sort of it, it's a similar thing of, you know, working through your beliefs and restructuring them, you know, to move beyond a financial comfort zone. And that might be earning a certain amount, like a high amount of money, or it might be earning a low amount of money. Like you've got your financial comfort zone and then you've got it, you know, un- discomfort on either side of that. So that was really helpful. I think just to be like, Oh, okay. Like there's a reason I'm feeling this way or, or whatever. Um, and, and even what you said about the, the starting small with the $10 a week into the bank account, it, um, it reminds me of, uh, atomic habits by James clear of just, yeah, such a great book. Um, just setting those, those habits in place. And then once they're in place, you can build them. Like you said, I think is, really important. Yeah. yeah. I, I recommend everybody read that book. There's another, yeah. there's another book I suggest everybody read is, and look, it's very old school. It's very written by men, blah, blah, blah. But like the original think and grow rich that mm. is kind of just tells you, you know, how you, you know, not to go too off tangent, but you know, how we literally have the power to kind of bend reality and financial reality in, into our favor. So think and grow rich is a really great one and atomic habits for any type of habits, you know, whether that's health relationships, money, everything, but yeah, absolutely. I was also yeah, going to say yeah. for entrepreneurs or people that are kind of that more love to play with money, the, whether they're the hoarders, the accumulators, the, the whatever, um, yeah. is gamification <laughs> is, is kind of another thing. So, so setting money kind of games and goals. Um, and it might be something like, you know, if I, if I earn this much by this date, then I get to, you know, immediately I get to go on a trip or do something. So it's setting themselves up for success by allowing themselves to indulge in that sense of reward. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, giving them the challenge, which really, really stimulates them. So, you know, there's also sorts of different, different ways of, um, depending on your, on your type. And also I'd say somebody who is, who, uh, more the creator kind of artist type, or they're very kind of, they relate with, they're more sort of interested in like the social aspect of money. Um, you know, they might want to do things, um, like with people. So if they want to, you know, in terms of wealth creation strategy, it might be kind of investing in a, in a cooperative or, you know, anything that's got like a social impact or a purpose. So it gives them a reason to be, you know, wanting to kind of invest and move their kind of their wealth dial forward. So yeah, it really comes down to set archetypes and personalities and, and how we relate to others. And I guess too, like by understanding what archetypes you you have inside of you or your sort of tendencies, you can then figure out, okay, these are my weak spots. And then here's some goals to really counteract that versus just going in blind, you know, like you're saying with the entrepreneurs and the gamification and reward system, you know, by knowing your archetype, I, I imagine you'd, it'd be easier to then, you know, set goals that really motivate you based on your 
behavioral tendencies around money. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And and so I guess for someone who, um, say someone whose um, parents fought over money or someone who doesn't believe um, I'm not worthy of money, what, like, so going through this process, like how, how long would it take? Or I'm in my very per person, but um, what are some of the results you've seen in, in people when they take charge of their, their money beliefs and, and overcome these money block, money blocks? Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, you know, as I said at the, at the very beginning, going on this journey and, you know, going into the behavioral side, it can be quite an emotional um, experience. There's lots of stuff that comes up, lots of childhood traumas and lots of kind of negative experiences to which, you know, people haven't necessarily connected with a while. So look, it can get quite deep work. So through that process, you know, obviously, um, and there, there, there's certain areas which I wouldn't necessarily go into because I'm not qualified, but, you know, if we get there, that's that I would obviously refer them elsewhere. But, um, but going through that is a, um, the, the benefit of that is not just did we bring newfound awareness to kind of their own relationship or lack of relationship with money that then allows them to, um, make a more conscious plan for how they will overcome and kind of navigate some of the blocks like the, the feast or famine cycles, you know, money comes in, it goes out or, um, or just never getting above a certain amount or never earning above a certain amount. So as they bring awareness and then the strategies are put in place to start working with those, um, the benefits are not just that, yes, they start to get a bit more control. Um, so, you know, you know, I think about one entrepreneur I worked with and, um, I was just going to say that the, the benefits are extends beyond money because there also there's this bit sure. of emotional healing that's happening along the way. It's it's awareness across all pillars, as I always say. Um, but you know, for an example, an entrepreneur, a friend of mine, she's just you know very um, social impact driven. Um, but she like she grew up in a in a very uh, in a real sort of environment of scarcity and lack. You know, to the point that there were times where, you know, her and her mother were, were sleeping in a car um, for days on end. And literally, you know, her mom was withdrawn and, you know, just couldn't connect because she was obviously had her own sort of, you know, emotional blockages and traumas. And, and I'm sure didn't feel like she was being the best mother she could be. And so therefore kind of withdrew love in a way, even though she obviously loved her child very much. So this, you know, this person ended up... Um, you know, being conditioned that, um, and, 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 and also she was also sort of felt in in ways she was deprived of certain things. There's a bit of guilt, you know, there was guilt if there was a need for anything or if she had money or spent. So there was always this kind of sense of I'm not worthy, or there's guilt and shame attached with me actually having anything. So as she goes out into the world and becomes this wonderful entrepreneur with all these ideas and, and creating, you know, amazing, um, you know, a wonderful impact for other communities, uh, it was that, that, that scenario of whatever came in was going out. So there was never money for her because there was this deep seated sort of, uh, you know, fear, um, of well, lack of worthiness, I suppose, or lack of value and worthiness around having and creating her own money. It was always for other people. It was never for her. So it was always just given away. Uh, and so that would limit her ability to kind of grow her business to the way that she needed to, because she actually needs to have money in the bank account for her own living and for her own family. But also if she wants to, you know, continue to kind of, um, uh, grow and extend, expand in other areas. So look that, that journey with her, I, you know, she's expressed to me and there's, you know, there's other examples. This is kind of an extreme example, but that was just a really, really, um, profound experience to go back and to be able to connect kind of the early childhood, what she went through with her 
kind of current financial circumstance and why she was finding it so hard to kind of move beyond that because she hadn't connected with money in a healthy way. She hadn't determined her own sense of self-worth and value in this world. It was always about everybody else because, you know, she was, yeah, that's how, that's how her experience growing up. Um, so, you know, so now that one of the things we started with her was like set a, that minimum threshold when the money comes in, you know, set it aside and then do whatever you want with the rest of it, but just start there and get used to having that. It's like, it's almost, um, you know, my old coach talks about, uh, increasing your financial, um, your energetic cash maximum, you know, moving that up a little bit, or, you know, uh, you know, polish, you talk about frequency, I talk about in elevating your financial frequency. And as you get used to that level, then you're ready to push to the next level. And it's not overnight. It's a series of steps. Um, and so, and I also say, look, this work, it brings awareness so we can start to build those habits, but how long it takes to build and sustain those habits is, is varies by person. Uh, as I said, even with me, it's, it's, I have to continually bring my awareness back to this work so that I can sort of see how I I'm, you know, how I might be feeling in a situation in relation to money or an investment or earning. Um, and then what I'm doing, my impulse to kind of spend or, or not spend, um, or how I'm feeling towards somebody else that, that has more money or more assets than me, that type of thing. So it's constantly bringing your awareness back so that you can then, um, you know, just make more conscious and more aligned choices, um, moving forward, but it's continual work. Somebody said, you know, the, the traumas that we go through, the experiences we have, or as I think it's in Atomic Habits, actually, he said, once you learn a habit, it's never forgotten. So it's mm. like any experience in our life, it's always going to be stored in us. Yes, we can, we, we, we apply practices to kind of, to shift that energy and to temper its hold on us, but it's always going to be there. So there's always going to be that risk of falling back into these patterns of financial self-sabotage, unless we continually come back to the work and continually bring our awareness to, to where, um, you know, where it hasn't served us. Mm. It's really, it's really interesting, especially, um, about, you know, I think traditionally it's, it's spending gets such a bad rap, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't spend so much. Like you should be better, be better with managing your money. And I think, you know, like you mentioned of this woman who, you know, spent it on everyone else or people who don't, who, who save too much and then don't enjoy their money. And, and so it's almost like, you know, it's, everything in balance, you know, and the more we try and control money, it's just, it's almost like our emotions just really dictate how we spend our money. And so if we're not, <laughs> if we're not like regulated, yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, you, know, you touched on that. And I, I've, it's funny, yeah. this has been in conversation with a few people this week, but you know, I've been noticing, you know, I've been noticing my, my eight year old and he's going through these big emotions now. Um, you know, they just go through different waves of then, and they just become completely un self unregulated. And, you know, I can either sit there and, and, and like get into power with him, but they talk about power versus force, or I can try and regulate myself and stay calm and kind of try to discharge that, that energy with my own sense of calm and, and look for the opportunity to kind of, you know, understand and, and connect with him so that then we can kind of move on from there. But, you know, as I was going through this, I was just like, you know what, everything in life, money, relationships, just work. It's all about learning to kind of ride these waves of emotions that we have. Um, but in order to ride them, we need to actually be able to recognize them. And so, you know, that's what we say, like 80% of this work is around getting to understand ourselves and the, the patterns, um, the, the, the beliefs and the, the manifestations of, of beliefs and patterns and behaviors that we've inherited to see how they're playing out in life 
because that's really, that's where the work is, you know, learning to self-regulate and learning to, to navigate those emotions. And in order to be able to, to make better choices is really kind of what it, what it's all about. So yeah, I talk about just surfing the life of emotions really day in, day out. And that never changes. I don't think. Yeah. From children to adults. Yeah. And like you said, you know, it's sort of, it flows into every area, not just money, like into, like you said, relationships and business and, and, and everything it's, it's, you know, and, and it's, if, if we don't give these emotions a voice or if we don't kind of give voice to these experiences that we have when we're children that, you know, shape our beliefs around money or around work or around, you know, anything, then they're just going to continue to dominate us until we kind of go into them and explore them, you know, with curiosity and be like, Oh, like I wonder where that came from or yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say there's another thing that's sort of come up for me in the last few weeks and this is, you know, we can dive into money and relationships a little bit if you want. Um, yeah. But you know, I, uh, probably an example, example, look, it's, it's within, um, somebody that I very much care about is, is, you know, in a relationship with somebody. And I've really been kind of observing the, the kind of the, the relationship and the financial dynamics in that relationship and trying to understand how these kind of patterns play out. And, you know, this is going to be really relevant to a lot of women out there and, um, and, you know, really anybody that's in a relationship where one person tends to have much more kind of control over, over the money. And so what I've observed in this relationship is because these two people have had very different trajectories, you know, um, he's had a you know, very linear kind of um, career um, and, you know, progressed over time to be earning very, very decent money and creating sort of wealth and a plan. And she's had a lot of setbacks in life, like health setbacks and things that have kind of prevented her from uh, being able to kind of earn, you know, fulfill her career objectives and and earn money in the way that, that she's wanted. So whilst they kind of started out here together, they've gone on this journey of life and financially, you know, he's moved up that echelon. And what's happened in that process, and which is very common, is then the power, the balance of power in the relationship shifts. And what I've seen in this is... Um, and, you know, despite having a child and, you know, the, her enormous amount of time and, and investment in kind of the family, because we as a society, I guess this comes back to the society, how we're, you know, how we've been conditioned, because we tend to value what we can see, which is the house and the car and the trips and the material things, you know, he's bringing home kind of the money that pays for the kind of the lifestyle. We tend to put more, you know, without being aware, we're putting so much value on that and what we're not necessarily, because it's so visible and it's more immediate. Um, and yet on the other side, what we're not necessarily valuing is this kind of, um, investment in kind of nurturing, you know, um, the next, you know, little souls, like, you know, she's at home kind of looking after the household and looking after the people around her and kind of nurturing and investing time into, um, you know, the little person who's going to grow into be a great human being. And to use the tit- the analogy of the Titanic, like you can't necessarily see the immediate rewards of that. That's something that takes place over time as these little humans develop and who they become in the world as they start to fulfill their own potential. Um, but what's that's done is over time is because, you know, the, the, the financial imbalance has been so strong and, you know, he's someone very, you know, got those kind of more warrior tyrant tendencies to like have control and make all the decisions and kind of hand the money out according to what he thinks is, you know, enough. Um, the confidence on this side has waned in terms of her own self-worth and her own, you know, sort of, um, what she's, you know, what she's doing in the world and her contribution. And, uh, and so the relationship dynamics have started to, you know, have really started to pull apart. 
um, or separate. Uh, and you know, I kind of keep, keep thinking like, geez, if things were financially balanced between them, would they really be having these issues? Like, actually, mm. I don't think so because there would be sense of more balance. So how is it that we are, it, it's just a real sort of point of contention for me around as a society, do we need to kind of start applying that lens more broadly that, you know, money isn't, you know, money is, it really is just kind of, it's money is like an outpouring of our, of our own kind of energy and, and attention is it in the world and however that manifests and whether that's through, you know, um, buying clothes in a car and going on holidays, or it's actually, you know, raising, um, really, whole, uh, you know, conscious little human beings, we need to shift our kind of value set on that or really bring attention to what, 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 what we value, because ultimately that is what going to yield more than this. That is more, you know, got more longevity mm-hmm. to it. So, um, so yeah, that was just something I thought for women to just bring attention to if there's this feeling of, or a lot of people that, that not just a gender thing it could be anyone, but if you're in a relationship where these dynamics are playing out, it might really be time to kind of just bring your own awareness to start challenging your own beliefs around, you know, your own sense of self-worth around what you're contributing. Um, and, and, you know, is there, I don't know, is there scope through, you know, having that conversation of starting to bring more awareness into the relationship around, you know, the values and the contribution, um, both on the, you know, the material and the, I guess the tangible and the intangible side, because it, it does like money can become when this imbalance plays out, there's, um, you know, it can be, and I've seen it in my own family as well, um, with my parents, you know, that, that is often kind of the root cause of, of a lot of, you know, separation and, and, and conflict in, in relationships. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely the, the money piece in relationships. Um, do you think it's because people identify so much with how much they earn, you know, that, that becomes very much a part of who they are. And so if they're with someone who doesn't feel aligned in terms of how much money they make, or like you said, they're not valuing the raising of a child or children, um, that, 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 that's the cause of the dis like of the clash or what do you think? Yeah, I think one, yeah. one of the big, I mean, one of the big things is that we have is that we, without being aware of it as so many of us, we, we, um, tie up our kind of our sense of our self-worth is tied to our net worth. And so I am more because I have more, I am more because I do more, you know, it's that. And we're, and again, we're not even aware of it because if you strip all of that away, if you strip away your income, if you strip away your house and your clothes and all those things, and you're standing in a field with, you know, bare naked, uh, mm. who are you? Mm. Right. Because, and, and so we can tend to put these, these kind of layers around us, um, uh, around the things that we've, we've done and we've accumulated. And so that's, so that, yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest sort of, um, one of the biggest blocks, um, around, you know, creating and, 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 and I guess attracting more abundance is because we're so tied up in, in our, our kind of what it is that we have and, and how that reflects our self-worth rather than, um, you know, looking at the, yeah, just who you are as a person, what it is that you value and, and how you're showing up in the world and how you're, um, you know, impacting the lives of others and contributing to, to the whole. So, um, yeah, that's, a, that's one of the biggest, one of the biggest blocks to, um, money blocks that there is. 
Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I talked to um, my brother and I do a podcast sometimes together and, and a question came in from um, a, a man actually and, and he, he earns less than his wife. His wife actually earns a lot more uh, than him and so that was causing some uh, issues in their relationship because it was sort of challenging, I guess, those traditional stereotypes of the man earning more than the woman and in this case it was reversed and so, you know, she was kind of putting the hard work on him to earn more and it was causing like causing some disconnect and so, yeah, I think it, it's interesting just how the scripts can really play out and just just how much what people earn. Like, I mean, it's just a number, but what what people earn can really affect, you know, relationships. And there's two things I was going to something that comes to mind is I love the saying that, you know, you're never going to have enough until you feel you are enough. So mm-hmm. it actually, your, your, you know, your self-worth is what drives like inner, sorry, outer follows inner, how we feel about ourselves inside, what we believe about ourselves and our own sort of sense of worth and value. That is what is going to drive, you know, the manifestation of the external world. So we just have it so far around, you know, the wrong way. We think it's as more, it's, it's that whole thing about be, do, have rather than have, do, be, um, uh, and yeah, what was the other, there was something else I was going to say there. What did go back to your, what was your last comment um, on that? Just with the, the women, the woman earning more than, than the man and, and putting the hard word on him to sort of just, just the reversal of gender scripts, I guess. Yeah. In different relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's, the, that's kind of the societal imprint, right? That's the conditioned imprint that we have as a society. So there's a lot of work, you know, in this, in this kind of money consciousness um, world, you know, one of the biggest things is, you know, let's bring awareness to this, but then the next steps are, we really need to kind of help educate. We need to make financial education, um, you know, a core part of the system. Uh, you know, it's one thing, as I said, it's kind of, you get your magician, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to transform my beliefs. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm this, this, um, manifesting sort of, you know, I'm going to manifest all the abundance that I like, but actually we still need to take action. And in order to take action, we need to understand, we all need to be educated on basic financial principles. We need to understand, you know, um, what the, the compound interest and the impact of, of saving. And, and also we need to learn that, that we also need to learn that we don't need to wait until we graduate from high school and go get a university degree in order to go out and, and earn money. Children now are learning at a young age, you know, that they can, um, through using their very creative, you know, their absolute, their creative, um, capacity to start thinking about ways that they can just create value and, and earn money off the back of that. So, you know, that's another thing I'm really passionate about, um, is, you know, living in this society, which we've got this kind of cost of living crisis and geez, the financial system, God knows what's, what's going to happen over the next few years. Every, everything is shifting. Uh, and it, but particularly for young people, it's become a very, um, challenging, you know, the wealth gap continues to, to widen. And so the possibility of them having, owning their own homes and, and things like that becomes, you know, more of a challenge for them. So, we don't want them thinking that I have to wait. It's like I follow this linear steps in order to earn my badge to go out and get, make money. Nah, you're a money-making machine. Like, you know, if you come into the world with these gifts and these talents and ideas, use those, encourage them. And if that is, if that results in the creation of money and wealth, well, then it's just, that's verifying that what you're doing is contributing and adding value. Um, and so if we can teach kids this mindset early on and then give them the tools through education, not just to learn how to count money, it's not about accounting, but it's actually how 
to the value of money and the possibilities that they can create, um, you know, the, poss- the, the life that they can live and, and the things that they can do should they, um, you know, make and grow and create and sustain their wealth. Um, you know, what a, what a different world, what a different kind of, you know, possibility or upbringing for them. It also takes the financial pressure off us <laughs> having to carry yeah. them through, you know, school and, and homes and things. So, yeah, so that education and literacy piece is, is really, really important um, in addition to this kind of, you know, understanding the mindset around it. Mm, it's like, yeah, it's like it, it's balancing, I guess, the practical or the pragmatic kind of action oriented education piece with the emotional piece and the self-belief and the and the confidence. I mean, it, it reminds me of, um, uh, I think it's Steve, Steve Seibold, or I don't know how you say his last name, but How Rich People Think, he wrote a book. And basically the whole premise is if you want to make more money, just solve a bigger problem. And for me, it was it was just such a light bulb moment because he was like, you know, people, the rich people out there, they're just solving big problems for people and then people are paying them for it. And for me, that was like, ah, oh, cool. Um, that That's so simple. And, you know, I think, you know, in today's day and age, you know, we have, you know, especially like my generation, we have so many tools and we can work online. And I think, you know, just the last few years have showed us just, you know, the freedom of working remotely. And, and part of, you know, part of my journey was moving to Peru and, and being able to work online and earn money in a country where, you know, the cost of living is a lot lower and the taxes are a lot lower. And so, you know, there's a lot more financial um, stability and opportunity, you know, for the future. And so, you know, it's, it's, yeah, for me, it was realizing, you know, there, there's other options, there's other opportunities and possibilities to generate wealth that are not in that traditional kind of, you know, boxed in way of, of thinking that society tells us we have to do. <laughs> so it's like finding creative solutions. You're finding creative solutions yeah. to creating wealth, right? Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's, it's moving away from that linear pattern that we've been taught actually. Hmm. So, so yeah, I know that's great. And actually just on that one thing I also love is this um, idea that there's kind of five ways that we make money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you know, you can work for somebody else and admittedly I'm doing that as well on the side right now, but you know, you can work for somebody else and, and earn an income. Um, you can uh, win it, which is probably less likely. You can steal it, which is illegal. Um, you can inherit it, which again is probably less likely and you don't ever want to rely on inheritance. Or you can go out in the world and you can create it. And that's why we talk about you know becoming a creator of your own kind of financial destiny because people like you and all these wonderful entrepreneurs in the world are actually realizing you know the way that true wealth is created. It's not by printing money hello America. Like it's not by, you know, falsely inflating and it's not through the recycling of money, um, which is the inheritance and the winning and that that's just money that exists, but it's actually by going out and, and tapping into your own kind of innate gifts and talents and potential, you know, they say chase potential, not necessarily passion. I think you chase both, um, in my view, but you know, it's about creating new wealth, um, and new value for, for others. And in whatever form that may be, you know, we talk about money as the physical thing, but it's not, it's actually Actually just a perceived value of you know a good or a service or or a thing and that that comes in infinite forms so it's breaking that yeah really just breaking those traditional um uh yeah the traditional kind of views or i'm lost you know the word i, I can't yeah. find the word but <laughs> yeah i <laughs> know yeah. what you mean yeah the conditioned sort of beliefs and patterns around it yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Just like coming back to just, just creating something of, of value for people and then being paid for it. You know, it's, you know, you, you can, you can just at the simplest form, it's like, it's really, 
really quite beautiful just you know how can we contribute how can we create value for people and and that takes time sometimes to figure out and and all of that but it's it's really yeah it's just really interesting um to come back to that premise yeah that I wanted to ask about, you mentioned about feeling, I guess, unsafe around, around money and love. How, how did you sort of, I guess, come to that, um, conclusion? Cause yeah, I find safety just to be, uh, I guess, to sort of preface this. Yeah. Just something I've learned in, in my own journey and just working with, with emotions is just, it seems like so much of our human nature comes back to safety. And if we don't feel safe, you know, whether that's with money or relationships or, you know, in certain social situations or work, like it doesn't matter what it is, you know, we're going to act out in certain ways. And so I think safety just is such a big, um, core piece of, of who we are. So I, I'd really be, yeah, be curious to hear a bit more about that. Yeah. And I think that for me, it's been a bit of a journey to, to really understand that it's been, um, partially through my own, you know, um, learnings in this, but also through the people that I've worked with. Um, and again, you know, there was a woman who, who kind of shared with me just the other week, actually, it was a really big kind of, um, revelation through her and she, and this was outside of our chat, but because she, you know, been doing the, the kind of money work and all sorts of other work alongside it, you know, it was just waking up to, um, associating, you know, when you, when you come in a family where kind of money and love are, are, are like this, you start to associate having money with being lovable and not having money is not being, being worthy. And so, I've, and so through that, I can recognize that, you know, I, I can see that my self-worth or my identity, my self-worth has been for a long time tied up in, 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 um, what I do and what I'm earning and things like that, because look, going on the entrepreneurial journey, which I did stepping out of corporate, um, as wonderful as and exciting as being, that was really difficult for my nervous system, really challenging because I didn't have steady income coming in. Um, you know, there's a period after, you know, it takes a long time. You have to invest a lot in trying to get a business off the ground. It's a long time. All my fears, all of my fears came up, fear of being seen, you know, I've really struggled with social media, um, and using my voice. Um, I've, you know, I can work for somebody else and, and work my butt off and, and, you know, absolutely. But then actually having to value myself enough to put the time in and put my, you know, put my needs forward. That's, that's been thrown up for me. Uh, and, and the insecurity that I felt around not earning an income or not earning much of an income for, for a while. Um, and then starting to see savings started to deplete, like what that did for me physically and kind of mentally, um, you know, the signs, the fear and the worry and constantly worried and, um, and losing confidence, all those things happen. So that really showed up for me and I've had to really examine that because I realized that, that having those financial foundations, which I'm also going to say are partially founded, you know, we all having financial security and financial foundations is, is important. Like it, it supports, you know, money is important in the sense that it supports us across all pillars of our lives. You know, you've got money in order. You can look after yourself and stay healthy and look after your family money. So you can show up in the world and do be give, have in the way that you want to, um, and how you can contribute. So it, it is important it supports our health, our relationships and everything we do because we live in a society, which is based on economic principles, at least today. Um, but then on the other hand, placing too much emphasis on that can, it just becomes this, this continual pattern of like, it's never enough and I'm never enough. So I started to recognize that. And also through, as I said, through some of the people that I've worked with to see where they have really, where a lot of their value and self-worth has been tied up in, um, in, in, in money or, or, um, one side of it, which I thought was really interesting is when, when, 
when we get to a certain amount, we can't seem to rise above that um, because we can, might associate money. And I think I've also associated this a bit as a, if associating money with abandonment because, mm-hmm. you know, my parents, the cycles they went through and then when there wasn't enough money um, or when there was, you know, then dad left and these sorts of things happen. And so you start to associate it with these emotional events that happen in your life. And so there was some of that running through it as well. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I've become aware, as I said, through the through the coaching and understanding the process through working with other people, but particularly I'd say in this work being in the entrepreneurial space and having to see all the money fears that, that pop up because I haven't had that constant undercurrent of, of, of income to support me the whole way through. So yeah, still plenty of work to do. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's good. Like it, it definitely brings up all this stuff to come out. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Amazing. And sorry, you go. No, I was just gonna say, I think where I've got to today is because I know that I've still got work to do. And that is I've, I've recognized that, look, I I do like this, the, 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 um, I've now created, uh, I guess, a, an environment where I've, I've got that kind of steady income coming in, but this is the work that I want to do and I'm going to gradually build this up. So rather than give everything up, which is probably the full of the gambit, give everything up and walk away. Um, it's now let's keep that into place because that is really foundational. Also, I can reach more people. Um, and I still actually really do love that work, but also I can bring this in through the back end and, you know, through conversations with you and through ultimately I'll start to write more content again and just really getting the word out and, and writing and sharing the word. It's my way to contribute and without focusing on the financial outcome of it, but rather the contribution that I'm making, that will probably come, you know, that's what the magician would say is just focus, focus on your gifts and, and what you're here, um, you know, what you're here to do and contribute in the world. And, and, and that ultimately, um, that ultimately all will be delivered in the, in the way it should. So, so yeah, so that's kind of my new, my new attitude, but I am putting in those kind of protective platforms as well Mm, to keep me feeling safe. Yeah. And I think that's really important because if you feel, if you're operating from a place of safety, like safety is abundance in a sense, you know, whereas unsafety or insecurity is scarcity. And so to be coming from that, that place of safety is really cool. Yeah. Awesome. And so, so almost sometimes, so for people who want to say connect with you or find out more about you or work with you, where can they reach you? Thank you. Yeah. So I am called Balancia Wealth um, and Balancia is Italian for scales or balance. That's my philosophy to kind of all things. It's, you know, balance and prosperity and, and, you know, financial and personal prosperity. So BalanciaWealth.com, B-I-L-A-N-C-I-A.com. Um, and also just Anna at Balancia Wealth if they just want to get in touch. So yeah, yeah, definitely reach out. You can do, there's a money type quiz you can do on my website. It's called take the, the um, discover your money type quiz. So if you're interested in those archetypes, you can certainly log on um, and yeah and if you want to subscribe to my newsletter haven't written much in the last month but i'll be getting back on that board and and yeah really excited to to continue to spread the word and 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 help others you know bring more awareness to their kind of financial their potential their financial potential but it's also their their personal potential so yeah amazing and at at balancia wealth instagram Awesome. Well, thank you, Anna, so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a really, really cool conversation. So thanks for yeah giving up your time. Thank you so much, Ellie. Thanks for the invitation. It was really great chatting with you. Enjoy yeah. Peru. I'm a little bit envious. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Everything I'm so happy for you. That you're in beautiful Peru. Thank you. <laughs> That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and follow the podcast to get notified anytime new episodes go live. 